do my best Woody Harrelson impression right now. So, uh, <laughs> let there be critically panned. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to Critically Panned. I'm one of your hosts, Sam Mosier. And that's not let there be carnage. It's let there be critically panned. I'm joined, as always, by... No Jacob Douglas. So here. there was carnage on this pod. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob Douglas he was the first here. victim. <laughs> Caitlin Brenner's here. Hello. I haven't seen the new Venom. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about Venom 2 in a sec. And King was here. Knock, knock, let the devil in. The M&M song. Uh... Yeah, Jacob Douglas is not joining us this week. He's at home with his family and between Wi-Fi and just having some free time uh, and time with his family. He's ha- he has the week off, so we're kind of kicking our feet back uh, and we're going to chillax on this week's episode of Critically Panned. Uh, as we talked about on last week's episode, we're going to be reviewing Venom, Let There Be Carnage, as well as The Many Saints of Newark on next week's episode when Jacob is back. Uh, so yeah... No Venom 2 review this week, although Kingma and I have seen it. Right, Kingma? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, we have. And uh, <laughs> Caitlin, so we're just going to kind of, we're just going to go where this episode takes us. We have a couple like loose episode or, you know, loose topics we're going to get to. And I want to start with Caitlin Brenner. You watched the first Venom for the first time last night. I sure did. And I was obsessed with it. That was so good. <laughs> Why did it good. take me so long to see this movie? I hate that because it's always been a movie that people rave about. I've always said, yeah, I should watch it. I should get to it. And for some reason, last night it came over me and I said, I'm just going to do this. Um, very good. Full marks across the board. <laughs> love Venom. Love his deep little voice. He's so cute. I love him. Um, but I was kind of pissed off because I was like, oh, I'm going to marathon them. Didn't know that I couldn't stream the second one. So that was kind of a bummer. But that'll be a good movie to see in theaters for sure. Um, but yeah, love Venom, Venom Head. A rare theater only release these days, Venom Two. Yeah, I was surprised. Um, but then I understood the tweet with Woody Harrelson at the Hunger Games premiere in his pajamas, and then next to it in a suit, and people were saying, "Me seeing any other movie at home versus me seeing Venom Carnage <laughs> uh, in theaters," and I was like, "Well." okay, I guess I could be that in my home too. I don't understand, but now I get it. Um, good for Woody Harrelson, though. I, I don't know how he did in the movie, but good for him. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss. Uh, <laughs> Venom 2's tracking really high. It had an 11 million Thursday night showing, which is pretty crazy. I'm super interested to see what the box office numbers will be come Sunday afternoon. Uh, but yeah, I mean... Venom 3 is all but definitive. <laughs> oh, really? Good. Okay. Nice. So, Caitlin, I have a couple questions about your thoughts on Venom. One, did you watch it by yourself? I did. I did. It was a very spur-of-the-moment, last-minute decision right before I went to bed. I said, no, I think I'm going to watch Venom instead. Uh, yeah, it was by myself. I, I asked because longtime listeners would know that Kingman and I saw the first one together. Yes. And I think us seeing it together, at least personally, greatly enhanced how much I liked that movie. Abs- oh, absolutely. It definitely did for me, too. However, similar to Caitlin, I also did rewatch Venom 1 
a couple a few days ago in preparation for Let There Be Carnage, and uh, movie holds up from my previous for like, for like from the first watch. It's like no, this is just a, this is the same level of how I feel. Movie's fucking good. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just great. It's just a fucking wild, goofy, like time. Um, with some insane acting. The only thing that holds back Venom 1 is that the villain is not good. Um, but that's fixed in Venom 2, so, cause, cause we have a real, like, a real comic book villain and not Riot. Who looks exactly like Venom. That, I, uh, what I remember, one of the things I remember most about Venom it's 1 is It's still impossible how, to tell who's who, by the way, in that yeah. <laughs> Like, you're just, Riot is just slightly less black than, it's, than it's, Venom. So here's the thing. Here, on cable, on, or like on the streaming version, or wherever we watched it, it was it was way better. But in the the, the theatrical release, holy shit, you could not fucking tell what was going on in that fight. Um, but outside of that, it was pretty fun. It was pretty fun. Um, and it's nice and short. These Ven- I love that about Venom movies. They don't waste my fucking time. They're 90 minutes long. They're in and they're out. They don't feel the need to pad it with just 20 minutes of nonsense to get to like a near two hour mark. Good, good fucking films. So speaking of fun, Caitlin, I got to ask you about my favorite scene in Venom 1. What did you think of the lobster tank? Oh my God. I was about to say the lobster scene. (laughs) That was such a good scene. Um, I've, I've seen that clip before. Um, that was sent to me as like incentive to watch the movie. And then I never did, but that was a good scene. That was funny. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Anytime, uh, uh, now I can't remember if there's another part. I'm sure there is, but anytime he would completely take over randomly of Tom Hardy's body. Um, that was so funny. And then in the hospital scene where, um, Venom is like extracted from him and locked in that room. He was like, you're going to kill me. You were going to kill me. What happened to us, man? What happened to us? Oh, God. Such a good movie. Such a wholesome bromance. <laughs> okay. I keep remembering things about... Because there's so much weird shit that's endearing about Venom. Or maybe endearing is not the right word, but like makes you like it more. Uh, the last scene I have to ask about is she Venom. What were your thoughts on Michelle Williams getting the sim- symbiote symbiote? Oh my god. I also remember the internet freaking out over that too. So when that scene happened, I was like, now I understand what's going on. Um Yeah, that was something. Did Venom just like volunteer did she voluntarily do that? Was she like, Yeah, I'll help him? And Venom was like, Hey, let's do this. I don't understand what that was. Was that another Venom? That wasn't another Venom. That was the Venom. No, that's that's Venom Venom. Just just Venom can attach to anyone. The reason why being attached to Eddie Brock is so important is because there's there's a le- there's like levels in the symbiote race to the other creatures they can hook up with, like their compatibility level. And basically, Eddie Brock is like max compatibility for Venom. So okay. he's that's why like Venom is really like does would rather fucking not leave Eddie. Mm-hmm. Um, is because he's such a good match. Okay. Yeah, that was something where I was like, okay, I guess I'll roll with this. But he can still, <laughs> but he can be, be Venom, like, be and look like Venom as, as other people. 
Um, okay. Okay, got it. Yeah, because I was confused why she. I was confused why she didn't drop dead or something. Because other people aren't good compatibility with them, and it kills them. So yeah. I guess it's good that she didn't I, die because I, I, I did it like kills her in them. Movie. It kills them. I believe if the symbiote like remains in them for like an extended period, like too long, it'll it like the symbiote will be rejected out of the body and that will kill them. Where I think okay. the symbiote can leave of its own volition before that happens to like not not kill people. Okay, word. Thank you. I'm learning. I'm learning this morning. <laughs> Now, Caitlin and Kingma, you, since I, I watched YouTube recaps of Venom 1, Jacob and I both wanted to rewatch it before too, but we didn't have time. Uh, are there any other, you know, before we move on, any other observations or, you know, shout outs you want to give for Venom 1? Looked cool. <laughs> it looked cool. I, uh, anytime the, the symbiotes would come out of like whatever host um they were using and they would speak to them just their face floating around ideally i was like no that probably would be kind of weird and look kind of strange and not good but the way that they pulled it off it looked really cool so yeah this is a cool looking movie i still love that trailer shot i i remember like that was the first moment where the internet was like okay they didn't get this completely wrong uh for venom one was it's it's the end of the motorcycle fight, and it's the first time you get the full shot of Eddie transforming into Venom, and he, like, I think he, does he chomp a guy's head off? Yeah, and the teeth curl from behind oh, his fucking head. It's oh, so, so cool. <laughs> yeah, pretty we dope. We can do whatever we want, <laughs> <laughs> Eddie. <laughs> If uh, unless I'm wrong, I'm almost positive Tom Hardy does the voice for both Venom. I mean, obviously Eddie Brock. He but does. I think he also voices Venom, which is awesome. Nice. The range. Tom Hardy's he's really going like he's doing something in these movies, and I'm into it. <laughs> I, dude, I love it. It's really we- like it's one of those things where it's like this is actually great acting because I because he's doing it on purpose. <laughs> he's whatever he's doing right now he knows what he's doing and it, he's just like eddie brock is just a schizophrenic before he gets venom <laughs> and that it just becomes exacerbated in way worse when he does have a real second voice speaking with him um to drown out the voices that were already present <laughs> And he's so sweaty and uh, like, and Tom Hardy's into it. The, the lobster tank scene I was reading this week, like there was a bunch of, you know, Venom one retrospective stuff that it was his idea to get into the lobster lobster tank. They shot that scene uh, and he saw the lobster tank on the set and he's like, I want to crawl into it. (laughs) So they had to retro, they, they had to build another lobster tank, one that was big enough for him to get in. (laughs) That's, 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 that's funny. So they actually put like real, like real, really think about that real work (laughs) in time and, um, and some money went into like doing that scene. And it's like, it, it pays off. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) it is the most memorable scene of the film like it is an unforgettable scene of tom hardy (laughs) jumping in that lobster tank and just (laughs) nomming off the arm of one of the lobsters in the tank so fucking funny 
Yeah, it's such a weird franchise, and, like, there's so many weird layers to it. Like, the fact that there's, like, they don't go for the traditional superhero movie love interest. Like, Anne and him are broken up, like, a third into the movie, and then she has, like, a new boyfriend, and they reconcile, but they don't get back together. Yeah. And then, of course... And then, of course, there's, like, the whole fandom that's, like, hot for Venom. It's so it's such a weird phrase. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, what's with that? Can I, can I bring that it, it's, the, it's the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> what were yeah, you going to say, Kingma, about Anne? Um, yeah, who... Uh, I don't know who played... Uh, M- Michelle... Uh, Williams. Williams. Michelle Williams. And whoever plays Dan, her new husband, is so fucking good he's such an uh, he's such an underrated character in the movie because i'm like wow this guy's really going out of his way for for eddie brock over here who he just sees as his ex who who he recognizes as a medical professional that eddie's (laughs) on some other shit right now that this is this is not mental or emotional relationship trauma he's on some completely other shit I know he's so concerned about him during that lobster scene. He's like, no, we are going to get you help immediately. <laughs> it is weird how nice everyone is to Eddie <laughs> in this movie. Right. right. <laughs> because he's a dick with Venom acting up and they're like, no, no, this isn't you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shout out to the guy that, who works at the uh, who works at the paper um, too. The guy who works at the the security at the front door of the paper who won't who's in two scenes, oh um, who won't let him into the building. He's like, "Come on, man!" <laughs> and oh, I got a family, Eddie. Uh, <laughs> uh, the guy who plays Dan uh, is a uh, Reed Scott. Uh, it's funny because the the way I know him is he pl- he's a lead on Veep. Uh, he also plays a guy named Dan, and he's fucking hysterical in Veep. Uh, and he does not play a nice guy. He plays, like, a huge dickhead. So it's funny seeing him play, like, the nice new boyfriend in the Venom franchise. Yeah. Also, I did want to say this as I was watching. I was watching the movie with my with my good buddy, Billy. Um, and as we're watching, like, uh, Eddie Brock, like, the when he basically has this confrontation with the villain whose name I forgot um and lo- he loses his his job and, and his wife breaks up with him and all this shit it's like this would this would never have gone down like this it's like i'm like i'm like eddie brock should have a fucking patreon and this would never happen because <laughs> because what you're telling me this journalist got fired for doing real journalism like you're t- because they pitch it as like eddie brock had like a relatively successful popular tv show and clearly a lot of popular news media would not successfully transition to to online so on that part i can kind of appreciate but it just seems like like wow, this really got th- this story got thrown under the bus of journalist does journalism and gets fired for it, uh, and now he can't find a new journalism job. Just is very funny to me. Um, but that's just that's movie nonsense. That's just, that's that's like fi- movie movie shit. So I don't really give a shit. But He's just trying funny. to do the good work. <laughs> All right. Any any closing thoughts on Venom before we table this for the Venom Two review next week? Please see Venom 2. It is good. Okay. Yeah, I will. I want to now. Yeah, I uh, I, I won't say anything else except that I agree with Kingma. Uh, it was a very fun Thursday night.
All right. So that's uh, that's us revisiting Venom 1 in advance of next week's Venom 2 review. Uh, Caitlin Kingma, are you watching anything else good right now you want to talk about? Or playing anything good you want to talk about? I do want to say Halloween Kills comes out soon. So I am trying to get through as many Halloween movies as I can. Mm. Uh, I, I do need to watch Season of the Witch before I see it because my friend told me that the masks in the trailer are kind of a callback to that movie. Probably not going to be like a vital piece of information, but I do want to at least like know the little hints and Easter eggs that they include in it. Um, but I watched Halloween 2 for the first time last night and I loved it. Love Michael Myers. Um, I'm very excited to get through the entire series, but I'm not excited for the Rob Zombie movies. I'm kind of dreading having to watch those because I do want to see every single movie just like to (laughs) say I have, but that's going to be something to get through. How many Halloween movies are there, including the Rob Zombie movies and now the like the reboot or like the sequel trilogy? God, because they have... Halloween one through four or one through five technically and then the Rob maybe one through five and then there's three Rob Zombie movies I think and then there's Halloween H2O which is like the 20 years later with Mm. Jamie Lee Curtis in it and then I think there's another one with Jamie Lee Curtis after that one and then you go into the 2018 Halloween wow okay so I have it pulled up right now Halloween Kills is the 12th movie in the Halloween franchise. Um, It follows... So there's six... There's Halloween 1 through 5, then Curse of Michael Myers, uh, then H2O, then Resurrection, which I've never Mm -hmm. heard of. Uh, And then there's uh, there's two Rob Zombie movies, and Mm -hmm. then now the Halloween 2018 kills and then next year ends. Yeah. I admire you, Caitlin. What's the pitch on Halloween two? Halloween two. Oh, okay. Yeah. So immediately follows the events of the original Halloween, which I loved. Yeah. Um, It's like a part two, right? Yeah. Didn't waste any time. Loved it. Just picks up right where it leaves off. Um, and it's, it's basically just a lot of that psychiatrist trying to once again convince the cops that they need to find Michael as if they need any <laughs> other reason. He's just killed so many people in the town. Um, and then it, it's basically going back and forth from that, just the hunt for Michael, and then to Laurie Strode, who's taken to the hospital. And she doesn't want to be put to sleep because she knows that he's coming after her. But they do. And it's a lot of her just like groggily walking around hospitals trying to make sure that like if Michael comes to get her, he can't find her. Um, some jump scares. Uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty creepy still. Yeah, it's it's a good movie. If you like the original, I think you'll like the second one. Sweet. I I definitely would love to at least at the very least rewatch the first one before halloween kills because i didn't watch it i've seen the original halloween but i hadn't rewatched it before the 2018 movie i had just seen it once in like high school at some like scary movie night you know when you're like 15 or whatever mm-hmm. uh and i've been wanting to like rewatch it because i think i'll pre i liked it then but i think i'll appreciate it even more now mm-hmm. for sure and like 2018 connects to the first one the most the other one's not so much 
Um, so I'm assuming this new one really is just going to be leaning on Halloween 2018 for the most part. So, I mean, that'll be good for everybody. Everybody can yeah. just jump in. Uh, well, we'll definitely be reviewing that, whether it's in two weeks or three weeks. Uh, you know, we'll we'll let you know. But uh, yeah, and I'm excited to check in. We'll have to get like a series ranking from you when it's ready. Yes, of course. I love a good list. <laughs> uh, Kingma. Anything you want to talk about that you've been watching, playing, listening to? Yeah, I've been playing a lot of stuff. Uh, as Caitlin mentioned, it is the season um, for horror and spooky shit. So I want to take advantage of the you know twenty nine remaining days in the month to play some <laughs> horror horror themed video games. Um, I really want to sit the the games I really want to sit down this month and, and get through is the original Dead Space. I really want to sit down and play, mm. and I really want to sit down and play Resident Evil 8 Village, um, Ooh. which I only played like an hour. I want to say like, no, that that's not right. Now I played like two and a half hours of, of Village um, with my good buddy Miles when I visited him a few months ago, uh, and that game is quite good. It's very fun, uh, and I would like to play more of it just you know to fit the spooky fall season. Um, I also might play Bully because apparently that's like a very fun Halloween fall type game, uh, which I fuck with. Um, that that's fun because that's that's a good point because there are hardly any games set during the school year, so like playing like a campus set uh, game, I imagine would get you in the fall spirit pretty well. Apparently, like an hour and a half into the game, it's already Halloween, so it's a really great game to play for like vibes um, <laughs> for good for them for the interplanetary good vibe zone type shit <laughs> um but as for stuff i've been playing right now i i'm a since i'm a, a real one i got monkey ball early uh so i've been playing that it's so it's good i have my problems with it the the fact that it doesn't have main game like local multiplayer for the main game is like a fucking tragedy is like no split screen halos levels of how could you leave this out for me just because so much of my monkey ball experience is playing it with other people in the arcade format where you just where everyone just keeps cycling through stages it would be so much nicer on with modern you know with modern ssd hardware so my hope is that they patch in local co-op do but they I'll have it uh online i don't know about online i don't think so it looks like just the multiplayer is just for the party games which look like the party games got fucked the party oh, games no, got kind of really? well here's the thing it's like you look at just look up gameplay of monkey target from the original game and look up monkey target from this game and the game and you'll find that the game that came out 20 fucking years ago looks 15 times better ah. um than the remake it's sometimes i wonder i look at games and i'm like why the fuck do we even bother remaking shit half the fucking time because it, it like i feel like 75 percent of the time a game gets remade and it looks fucking worse than than the original fucking game so part of me just wonders why we even bother sometimes but yeah but having having the main arcade games just available in a really easy to just 
pick up and boot up format is pretty nice. Also, apparently the game runs great on Switch, so that's a huge W. Um, so I played that. I also played like six hours of uh, Kenna Bridge of Spirits, which is a relatively new game for a small studio whose this is their very first game. Uh, pretty impressive stuff. It's not super crazy or complicated or anything, um, but it's just a nice, simple $40 old-school adventure game, clearly inspired by classic 3D Zelda, Okami, Beyond Good and Evil, um, some elements of uh, Pikmin and Souls and, like, Tomb Raider and stuff in there. Good, good-ass shit. Uh, good-ass shit. Um, Would you recommend... So both games, Monkey Ball and Kena, are games I really want to pick up which if i had in, if i have interest in both of them so far would you say you you would recommend them to people interested yeah i would uh if i had to pick between the two i would probably say i'd probably say beat for beat you're probably gonna have a better time with 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 kana but um if you if you if you don't got a ps5 then you can you can buy monkey ball okay now on the scary movie games front uh I'm very interested to hear what you'll think of Resident Evil Village when you played all the way through. Caitlin, have you had time um, to pick this one up yet? Because I know it's also on PS4, I think. Yeah, I haven't gotten it. I I was so close to buying it, and then I saw reviews where they were like, if you can, wait until you can play it on a PS5. Mm. But honestly, I'm probably just going to get it on a PS4, because the likelihood of me getting a PS5 soon is very, very slim to none. So I'm just going to do that so that I can at least know what happens in the game and I don't have to find out from somewhere else. Caitlin, are you actively interested in owning a PS5? No, because the only reason why I would get one is so I can play this the way that people so-called recommend to play Resident Evil 8. I don't know. I'm not going to do that, though. Why would Uh, I do that for one game? I will say, of all the, the... the cross-gen games we will be getting next year and that have already come out this year. RE8's probably one of the better ones to play simply because the way they did it was they contracted a studio to take the next-gen version of the game and basically just backport it. Um, So it's a pretty good... like The PS4 version, while not ideal, is more acceptable than, say, like cyberpunk on ps4 <laughs> um so i've heard okay yeah i'm i'm gonna do it i really want to play it i've been waiting for a while maybe the spooky season will inspire me too um because i will say the scariest game i've ever played in my entire life was outlast mm-hmm. and i have the entire series i haven't been brave enough to actually venture into the other ones the first one scared the shit out of me but Resident Evil is somehow comforting to me. I don't know why. I just love the seventh one so much. Um, so I am really excited to play eight. Have you played uh, the two and three remakes? No. I, I be- very briefly played one of them. I can't remember which one it was. I think it was the second. Yeah. That's at um, the police, the police uh, precinct. Yes. Yeah. That was the one that I briefly played. My friend brought it over one night and we were trying it out. Um, I liked it. It was fun. I just, I didn't go out and like buy a copy for myself. Um, and I, I guess I, because I like the seventh one so much, the eighth one ties into that one. So that's why I'm like, I'm super interested in that one. Yeah. 
they, they kind of change genres though. Resident Evil Eight is is a fucking it's like an action game, um, first and like a, a like a poor game second. It's just but it just it it makes up for it for by just being like very fun to play. Um, the 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 I the classic like there's a couple of like these core mechanics in gaming that have just been around since like the dawn of the medium. Pointing and shooting is one of them. And the point-and-shoot gameplay of RE8 is really, really fun. Because the enemies move so, like, erratically that trying to, like, line up your fucking headshot to hit the wolfmen is, like, really fucking engaging. Well, sick. I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm excited to check in and hear, uh, hopefully, both of you get to pick it up before the end of the year and maybe come, uh... Our, our our game of the year discussion we can we can hear some thoughts on re8 hell yeah uh two things i've been watching i want to discuss one in advance of again next week's review i have finished the sopranos uh what so you I think am, it is the best show i've ever watched Ooh. um it's perhaps not my favorite uh like but that's just like you know just for personal reasons but it is just like pound for pound it, it's funny like no one told me that the show's like often like laugh out loud funny uh and not in like a way that's like clearly going for jokes but um whether it's like dark comedy or just situations that the characters end up in uh and all of the characters are so memorable. Of course, the acting's phenomenal. I, I, I've been meaning to look up who actually won Emmys during the run of the show because, I mean, obviously, A, I'll be shocked if James Gandolfini never wanted to play Tony, but I will be, I think he did, or at least I would just assume, I will be doubly shocked if Edie Falco, who played his wife, um, didn't win because she's phenomenal. And it just as the show goes on, she becomes... I think the most compelling character in my opinion. Uh, anyway, all this is to say I'm excited to watch many saints of Newark tonight. I don't think it can like, I'm not expecting it to live up to any sort of the legacy of like what the show is, but I think it'll be fun to watch as like a prequel movie. Do you think they shot themselves in the foot by not putting the Sopranos anywhere in the title of the film? Yeah. To, it, I think they're doing like a lot of um, what like I, I forget what the term I'm looking for is uh, course correction because this movie was so there was so little about this movie for so long and then in the last two to three months we got trailers posters commercials and all of them have leaned so heavily into the fact that it's a Sopranos thing. I think because they realized that, like, oh, we just should have named it something Sopranos in the first place because all the posters, like, the tagline is who made Tony Soprano and most of the trailers and, like, billing advertise it as Many Saints of Newark colon a Soprano story. Um, so, yeah, it'll, it'll, I'm very interested to see the box office numbers. Of course, this is a rated R movie. Um, it's on HBO Max, which historically has not helped the box office numbers. Uh, and Sopranos has become quite a streaming hit in the last year, partly due to the pandemic and everyone having time to watch a a six, really seven season show. But I don't know if that'll translate into movie sales. We'll see. Yeah, that's something I always I I, I always wonder because there's 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 content like. 
or, or films and stuff like Man of Steel, where it's like everyone fucking knows who the Man of Steel is, so you can call it that, right? Where I, where like the many saints in New York, when I hear that, granted, I haven't really seen Sopranos, saw like the first episode of it a couple years ago, and that was it. That doesn't like scream Sopranos to me, but I'm also not a real one. I mean, to be honest, I learned after the show, like nothing from the show taught me what the meaning of the title is. Of course, the show takes place in Newark, New Jersey, um, but uh, the many saints. So the movie's less about Tony than it is about the mob member who introduced him into mob life, um, his not biological uncle, but, you know, in the sense of the mob, his uncle, uh, Dickie Moltisanti. Moltisanti being, like, an Italian last name, meaning many saints. Uh, so it's kind of like a like a deeper cut of a okay. title, which is cool if you know, but it doesn't help really market it. I see. Well, I'm always, I'm, I'll always, I'll always respect the artistic, uh, the artistic title. I just find, I, I did just find it interesting that I'm like, wow, they really didn't call it Sopranos. Like, um, it's interesting. I read an interesting article on Twitter actually, like a couple, like a few days ago, about like millennials and Zoomers, like watching, um, Sopranos because that's something I noticed at least in 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 our group of friends sam is yeah i don't friend know of the who... show awkward pause like yeah it was the last year of their show they talked about all of them watching it but it, it was like a yeah it was like a it was like a a ball it was like i forgot who fucking started you know who shot han first or whatever who shot first um and it's like <laughs> it was like one person started watching it then they got a few seasons and then someone else started watching and someone else started watching i feel like everyone's watching the fucking sopranos now and I read that piece. It was a New York Times piece, really well written, and um, really speaks to that. As I mean, the whole show has it, but especially in the later seasons, the show has nails really um, the existential dread. And I mean, I think it really is caused by the fact that the show started before nine eleven, and I think really kind of nails a lot of the effect nine eleven had on American culture after. Uh, and just like the existential dread that a lot of young people feel, whether it's in the way that like America does for foreign policy or climate change or um, yeah, it's a uh, it, it holds up. Sopranos is good. And for the movie, the guy who plays Tony Soprano is actually the actor who played Tony Soprano's son, right? It is. Uh, I Michael Michael Gandolfini. Uh which is cool. He uh, he has never seen the full run of The Sopranos. Ah. <laughs> Which, to a degree, like, I don't know how I would feel. Like, if my dad, like, died prematurely, like, when I was young, I would imagine it would be pretty hard uh, to, like, I think you would have to be in a good emotional spot to watch, like, such a like a wealth of content of your dad especially where he's kind of not kind of he's like playing a bad guy uh right but yeah right that makes sense and i mean like during the pandemic like you said he was everywhere he was all over twitter everybody was talking about the sopranos whether it was like memes or just like screenshots from the show so the sopranos memes are good they are good tony and the ducks (laughs) (laughs) 
the other thing I've been watching that I wanted to bring up to Kingma. Um, so now that I finished the Piranos, I'm back on my anime grind. Oh. Okay. Uh, and so I'm watching a show, a popular show called a uh, Jujutsu Kaisen. Oh, which fuck yeah, dude! I, I I know you're familiar with, right? Yeah, I read the first seven chapters. I've actually had it downloaded on my phone to to get back to reading it because I liked what I what I read. So, Caitlin, the pitch on Jujutsu Kaisen is uh, there's a character named Yuji Itadori, uh, Itadori, and he stumbles per circumstances on, like, his school falls under a curse. And the, the, the source of the curse is this finger of, like, this super grade, like, evil spirit. Uh and I think ax- it's been a while since I watched the first episode, but like by accident, he like trying to like, you know, get it away from like evil doers trying to get a hold of the, the finger. He eats it uh, and he gets the powers of the, 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 of the Avengers level threat. Yes. <laughs> Sicko mode curse curse guy. With great. And so from there, he gets like Harry Pottered into this world of jujitsu sorcerers whose job is to learn the arts of like um is it is it called jujitsu kaisen? Uh I wanna say that's the name of the school. May yeah. Is Jujutsu Kaisen? Um But it, to become a jujitsu sorcerer in order to like exercise or expel these spirits. But the conflict that all the teachers and his classmates have is like, should we kill this guy because like he has a, a, like an Avengers level threat demon inside of him that could come out at any moment? Yeah, and oh and God. also too, it's yeah, and what what they end up coming down to is they're like, okay, dude, you're gonna help us get the other nine fingers, and then we're gonna then we're gonna kill you. Like. <laughs> Wait, the other nine fingers? Where are the other nine fingers? What is this an infinity stone situation? Like they have to find each finger? Well, he was so, yep. it was like Dracula, <laughs> where where he was so dangerous they had to cut him up and like separate oh, the body. Yes. Um. So, like at his school was one of the 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 ten fingers. Um. It's like Shang Chi, but gross. Uh, <laughs> Legend of the Ten Fingers. Um, <laughs> so the reason I wanted to bring up this show is there's a lot I like about it. It's really funny. Like, given how dark the the main, like, the main plot is, uh, the characters themselves are really funny. The His, like, main classmates, they have, like, a cool kind of, like, sibling rivalry dynamic. His mentor, uh, Gojo, is this, like this like god level uh instructor who everyone has respect for and a lot of like the female students have crushes on um there's this rival school that they have an ongoing storyline with where this like hunk of a guy named toto uh wants to befriend the main character but by doing that he like wants to like beat him up in order to like show him the ways to be tough uh and this guy like won't stop asking him he's like what uh, what's your type of woman <laughs> like <laughs> the show just like has just a really weird like tonal mismatch that all comes together and works it's not a it's not a critique um 
But what I wanted to ask you, Kingma, is something as I've gotten more into anime, uh, this is the first ongoing series I've watched outside of Attack on Titan, which yeah. I think is very mid. I, I, I think I, I think Attack I on Titan is a you. mid show. <laughs> You're um, a good company here. Thank you. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen I like a lot more, just because I, I care about the characters, whereas I think uh, Attack on Titan is a very um, dire and drab show. Uh, however, because Neon Genesis Evangelion and Cowboy Bebop are contained one-season things, yeah. um, I feel like Attack on Titan and Jujutsu Kaisen are, also, are often guilty of like insane monologuing, uh, where characters will like go on like two to three minute tangents where they explain their powers yeah and is this a common thing because i'm gonna be honest like i'm like 20 episodes deep into jujitsu kaisen and they're still doing it and i'm like how am i still learning about the ma- like the jujitsu kaisen magic and like it really loses me i just wanted to know if this is like a thing or if it's you know not across every series i don't know how um how how kaizen does it specifically just because i have so i only have like about six seven chapters worth of of stuff um definitely explaining uh definitely explaining special moves in great detail is a shonen staple for sure um but there are definitely some um there are definitely some shonen that doesn't really do that. Like Chainsaw Man, when that comes out, I've heard that's, that's only, good. That's only ninety-seven chapters, and it's pretty light on dialogue. Um, where like again, again, like this kind. So okay, so Jujutsu Kaisen, while it is an anime and it's a great adaptation, it originally comes out in manga format. And manga in Shonen Jump is released week to week every Sun or yeah every Monday technically, but Sunday for us, um, are when the new issues come out, and we get about a anywhere between like a fifteen to a twenty one page chapter. Sometimes they're really um, action packed and high octane, um, and and sometimes it's very like they're very lore heavy chapters that just has a lot of talking and a lot of explanation. And when this stuff gets ad- adapted into anime, it's typically adapted two to th- two to maybe three chapters per episode, depending on again what exactly happens. And then sometimes, depending on the show, they will. What's become a meta now is is instead of like creating like filler content that doesn't really push the story along they will take what's already in the manga and they will like reorganize the events of it to help it the story flow better in animation whereas manga can get away with more like one-off like gags and bits and like asides through like chapters and stuff that sometimes stuff will get reconfigured but to actually Mm. answer like but to answer your question, it's a it's it's kind of a thing in anime. How bad it is depends on a, is is a show by show basis. Uh, how ag- egregious sense. it gets. And I figured it was more of a shonen thing than like perhaps like you know like a, a sports show or, or like a high school set show. Um, but I just wanted to know because I'm gonna continue on the grind. I don't know what's I'll I don't know what's next after Jujutsu Kaisen. I'm almost done with the first season, uh, but. I just wanted to pick your brain. 
Yeah, I will say, I will, I will say uh, that in sports shows they will absolutely explain their. Uh, oh, really? Because because sports because sports shows are sports shonen, uh, typically. Uh, so okay. so that yeah, makes they sense. will explain in fucking Kuroko no Basket. They will explain to you what the right of postponement is, <laughs> uh, which is just the guy has big hands so he can hold the ball longer. That's a great fucking. That shit's great. Um, but yeah, take, but they, but to be fair, they explain it. It's like five, 10 seconds. And then, <laughs> oh, he runs really fast. Oh, he never misses a shot. Uh, and that's, that's, it. that's, that's the entirety of the explanation. Uh, for the anime noobs out there, King, well, let me know if I'm explaining this wrong. Uh, I didn't know until like this year that like a shonen anime, which is one of the, would you say it's the most popular genre or like type of anime? I would say most, most, uh, anime that people recognize are ident- would be identified as shonen. Yes. Uh, is like a long form, maybe not like coming of age, but it's about like younger people like coming into like a certain like ability or power set or yeah, that's, skill. I'd say that's uh, that's that's pretty fair. Typically, shonen storytelling uh, is refers to um, stories specifically directed and aimed at young boys, specifically like young like like the eight to like. 15 16 year old um boys is like the target like demographic for a lot of this stuff that's why it started like a lot of these shows star like young protagonist um and have good morals about hard work and and whatnot um and friendship and and all that stuff again shown in staples hard work friendship work uh training and you know all this all this stuff um but yeah and then there's a couple of like variants of the uh, like sub genres in shonen so there's the shonen battle series which is what jujutsu kaisen is that's what my hero is where they're primarily focused on these individual fights and arcs are typically determined by what bad guy the characters are fighting this is big in dragon ball z the four major arcs are determined by the villains so the saiyans frieza cell and boo and z um and then you have, yeah, sports shonen, which is just like, oh, like, oh, here's this high school kid and they're on the basketball team, they golf, they play badminton, whatever. Um, then there's, like, non-battle battle manga, which is shit like Death Note, where it's structured like like battle manga, but it's not, like, fights. They're using, like, brain, like, brain power and, like, setting up <laughs> traps. Yeah, battle of the minds, you know? Um, <laughs> Yeah, that shit. No, it's great. It's great. I highly recommend everyone pick up the Shonen Jump app on their phones. It's two dollars a month, and you get access to an entire vault of thirty, you know, forty plus years of great manga. So, highly recommend that if anyone's interested in like reading more. Um, Sweet. That was this week's anime corner. Uh, the last kind of topic I wanted to bring up was something I, I texted you both this morning, uh, a kind of untraditional way that we, you know, do our, you know, stories, we usually just discuss whatever latest entertainment thing is, uh, but there was a headline I saw this week that I wanted to do a spin on, uh, this is just a headline for the Hollywood Reporter, uh, who's, the reporter's name is Abby White, uh, Ridley Scott's doing a Gladiator sequel, um, he's writing the script now, it's gonna be his movie after his Napoleon drama, um, now, Gladiator's movie, I have not seen yet. It's, like, my dad's favorite movie, uh, but it's three hours long, so we keep saying we're going to watch it, but it'll just require a night. Um, this sounds like a bad idea. Uh, Russell Crowe's, like, 
not like he's older now he's not maybe this will be about like a a gladiator in his um you know sunset years which could be interesting but ridley scott is more miss than hit these days um before we i actually yeah yeah you're you're incorrect this does not sound like a bad idea at all okay this is a bad idea (laughs) straight up I I am not I gotta be honest with you, gang. I'm not a big fan. Okay, between movie reboot versus distant movie sequel, I I will always take the latter. I will always take the latter. Fuck movie reboots; they're a complete waste of time. And I don't even know if there's a single good one. Um. In recent memory, from the last like fifteen years, is that fair to say? Is there there like a reboot that I'm sure there's one I can think of? I mean, maybe um, someone could argue like James Bond or some shit. Yeah, um, or like something that's so tonally different, like Twenty One Jump Street. Um, but like your point stands. Yeah. Um, and also Twenty One Jump Street is is so is such a radically different take on the source material that it's like these are two like different things yeah it's um, just using the name and the concept less a r- real reboot yeah um but i i, I just don't i don't know i don't want this i don't i don't want this so the reason i bring this up is because i wanted to ask the question because i had such a hard time thinking of an answer if you can think of a movie that is 10 plus years old because gladiator i believe is a two uh, yeah, it came out in 2000. I think it won Best Picture. Um, yeah. Uh, is there a 10-plus-year-old movie that if you read a headline, you know, this coming week, that the director, the original creator, was working on a sequel to, what would be one you would actually be interested in? Ratatouille. Yes. Do you have That's a pitch? A Do you have an answer. angle? <laughs> uh, No. <laughs> I just let Remy like, do what he wants <laughs> it's funny I just feel like Ratatouille as time has gone on ha- has become more and more people's favorite Pixar movie as in like they point to be like this is to earn like this is the one move. like this is the best Pixar movie yet as time goes on we've gotten sequels to all the other fucking ones yet ratatouille is, has not been tainted now on one hand i don't want this to really be tainted but on the other hand ratatouille is just such a funny fucking name for a sequel uh, oh you have the two in there yeah. <laughs> um honestly that's why i suggested it was just because of the name um but this is a really interesting question i was pondering it before the show sam about decade old movies that that i want to come back I want it to be like I, I I'm a big I, I I am like a genuine fan of like real time is past and our reality and like the guy like the our characters like washed up or whatever and is is shitty. I like that. I saw a trailer when I went and saw Venom. I saw a trailer for Top Gun Maverick, and I haven't seen. That's the original actually a Top- perfect example of this. I, this topic. I haven't seen the original Top Gun, but I was watching this trailer. I'm like, yo, I'm I'm, I'm kind of about what's happening right now. Ever since I played Ace Combat, I've become a big fan of uh of American Aviation, um and <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah, this is pretty cool. This is pretty cool. These planes, this is sick. But at the very least, like, Top Gun Maverick is cool because we don't get fucking plane movies, you know? 
I get like Gladiator Two is kind of cool because we haven't really gotten a um Roman esque um Gladiator style movie in like fifteen twenty years. So I guess so. Like that's kind of nice about them coming back. Um, I don't know. I, I'm I just make new stuff. Stuff. even <laughs> if you want like i get it like even if like i get it it's fucking money and we talked about it fucking last week with the mario movie like the dollar will always went out in the fucking film um but i i don't know i just wish more people made original like original projects um and if like ridley scott wanted to make like another like gladiator style movie i'd rather him just do that and not try to make like a follow-up to gladiator because i mean you just said it yourself sam like your dad is favorite movies gladiator is he excited for this does he want this i've not had the chance to talk to him i'm sure he'd be interested in it but i think he would like agree that he would probably rather like a new you know just a new gladiator style film not a direct sequel yeah that's what i that's why i will give give credit for for like some like like i have my issues with Molina, but i'll give some credit to james wan who seems to i mean aside from saw but i don't know if that's his problem the reason there's like eight saw movies I, i'm gonna assume no. no but i respect that like there's a few horror developers out uh, horror developers jesus horror directors out there that they make like they do different shit each time um his rule like, is like i'll do one sequel and then i'll move on uh, which I think is kind of cool. He's like, I want to like, I have this idea, then I want to iterate on it, and then I want to do something new. He's done it with Insidious, Conjuring, Aquaman, and then maybe Malignant. We'll see. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in on the duology. I feel like there, there's a, there's a desire in people online, a burning, a burning passion desire, people for trilogies, for something to be a trilogy. I don't know what it is, but like, I see it everywhere. People are. I'm like, guilty of it too. <laughs> Like, like people like the the new God of War game Ragnarok gets announced and it's like yeah it's the last of the the Norse games and everyone's like what about the third game what about it's like Jesus <laughs> you want to play it in 2026 like you want you want this shit to still be going fucking ten years on but it's neither here nor there oh no Last of Us Part Three <laughs> that's probably in the near future it's like it's like no we're done let's stop. <laughs> I don't know what it is about our brains that like I that I think trilogy just, brain. I don't know what it is, but yeah. it's real, dude. I don't know whether it's just like the niceness of like the set of three or like it's the three act structure or it's the fact that like, you know, some of the most famous things of like franchises or Common stories. Threes. Yeah, Lord of the Rings, the you know, original Star, Star Wars original trilogy. Star Wars, yeah. yeah. Caitlin, any ten plus year old movies you would be interested in a sequel to? Oh, of course. Bride Wars, 2009. <laughs> Why didn't we get Baby Wars? And that'll always be something I'm mad about. Why would they... I mean, I love that movie. I'm glad that they didn't try to do a sequel because it probably would have sucked. But I would watch the hell out of that movie. I'm obsessed with Bride Wars. That's like a movie that I have memorized. I would have loved to have Baby Wars. Why else would their due dates match? Come on. <laughs> that was so evil of them to not do that for me. <laughs> I got it. I got my answer. What's your answer, Kingma? Project X2. 
<laughs> wow, that's a deep cut. This time they own the they this time they own the property. This this time <laughs> or I want or like let's do it set in college. That's always a great way to follow up the high school movie is to just do it again but in college. Um that's a fun movie. I have like that. That movie is holds it the a same special... cast. Like, are they still in college? Well, here's the funny thing. If we did the same cast, they'd be in their like late twenties, um, which is also arguably kind of funny. If like they didn't learn their fucking lesson the first time around, and they're like, "Nah, let's do it again." Like, <laughs> um, now nah, I I have a special place in my my heart for for that movie. I don't know what I I love the found footage films and just to to do it as like a high school party gone like horribly awry um is a story I, I i fuck with and i would like to see like redone honestly like i'd love to see like I, again i know it's shit talking like reboots and remakes but project x is one of those things because project x isn't a story it's just an idea of like a, of again found footage party gone wrong type situation a redo like i think if a retelling of, of project x could be could be cool um, I like it. That's a good. That's a. That I haven't heard the name Project X in a hot second. Yeah, it's probably my favorite. Either that or Clo- probably Cloverfield's my favorite found footage movie. Mm. Um, but Project X is up there. I thought about this all morning. I uh, obviously Pixar came to mind because I I did the rewatch recently. Ratatouille does it. It's top three for me. Uh, and while and Wally's also really up there, and those are like two of the golden age Pixar films that have been left untouched when it comes to sequels. Uh, Wally, I don't think I'd be interested in a sequel to, and Ratatouille, I, I would say no, but I think Brad Bird proved with Incredibles two that he can do a pretty great sequel like a decade later. Um, so I'd be interested to see if he had a take. If somebody else was involved, no. Um, I thought of a couple because, of course, this has been done a lot recently with comedies. Uh, we had like Coming to America. Um, there was Dumb and Dumber Two. They're doing a twin sequel called Triplets. Um, I was thinking of the the comedies of our of our age, the Will Ferrell comedies. Mm. Um, ones like obviously we had Anchorman that had like a decades later sequel. Uh, two I'd be interested in. One of my favorites, one of the more underrated ones, uh, The Other Guys with Mark oh. Wahlberg. <laughs> now, a sequel to that, like, we kind of got the best case of that as a series, like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, um, a really good New York set cop comedy. And of course, just doing like cop stories right now is just kind of, you know, not a lot of people want to touch that for good reason. Uh, I'd be interested in a Talladega Night sequel. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> Now, it would ha- this you guys can easily shoot me down on this idea, but like it's a so it's a racing movie, but it like goes in like the Fast and Furious direction <laughs> where they're like doing street racing instead of NASCAR. <laughs> oh my god! It's not really fucking Talladega Nights anymore. Then yeah, is it? that's a good point. It's like Talladega Nights, the Ballad of Drift Racing. <laughs> Ooh. You know, I, it's it's actually funny you bring this up, Sam. Yesterday, I watched an hour-long video about the Talladega racetrack. Wow. And the amount of sh- just nonsensical shit that has happened at that fucking track, uh, there's enough, let's just say there's enough for, for a sequel 
if you want to take some real world inspiration <laughs> for just some complete nonsense, um, you could do it. I think I, I here's the problem with Talladega is that the cultural love in the states for NASCAR has completely disintegrated. Where like I remember in like 2000 two and three and even in like six and seven like being in the family room playing with my toys watching my parents have nascar on tv and just it being just constantly on uh in the house where like that is just not the case for like majority of american households you see that yeah, never disappeared in my household my <laughs> oh you're one of the few <laughs> yeah they my parents hung on i guess they they still watch it I feel bad for, for NASCAR fans. It's because I feel like a lot of what's been like, I feel like all the, the stuff that has been good about the sport is slowly being like ripped, like it peeled away from mm-hmm. the brand. So uh, tell your, tell your, tell your parents, I feel for them. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll, I'll tell them you said, thank you for their service. Their service, um, Yeah. But they definitely, yeah. My dad not too long ago was talking about how much it's changed and how many people have just fallen off of it. Um, there's just not not as much of an interest anymore. Yeah, well, people like can't die things. anymore. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. We're missing that excitement. <laughs> it's too safe. <laughs> uh, Make NASCAR unsafe again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, two more answers uh, that I thought of. One I would be interested in just because it would never happen because the first movie was such a financial bomb. But by the nature of like a sequel being announced, I would know that they would have an interesting take for it. Uh, Treasure Planet. Aww. Oh, I love Treasure Planet. I don't know. Like if you have, I just remember the main character's name is G- the, his like mentor called him Jimbo. I forget what the <laughs> captain's name was, but if like old Jimbo found like, you know, there was one last treasure map that his mentor never found, and he has to go out for, you know, one last ride. I don't know. I'm in on that. I just fucking love Treasure Plan. You get the Goo Goo Dolls doing the soundtrack again. <laughs> <laughs> one last one that I had is it is a concept that I've been kind of fascinated with in the last, like, just year, I guess, is this idea of the sequel that's a meta commentary on the franchise as a whole, like as, you know, the the Ava, the Evangelion rebuild. Yeah. There's a lot of theorizing that Matrix 4 is going to be that about the Matrix trilogy, which really interests me. And <laughs> hear me out. Tron 3 <laughs> is a oh. movie that's not real. But oh, you, fuck yeah. But you do a Tron 3... And the I, you I don't know if like this would work or if the movie would just be way too on the nose, but it's like a movie about the dangers of like trying to reboot something. Like the movie's about some guy trying to like bring Tron back. But like by nature of it and him going back in the game, like the game is like glitching and like revolting against the developers. I don't know. I, I would I, be I, into hear me it. out though. What if he what if we do do something where 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 it's it's like the game Tron comes back, but they had to do it as like a fucking triple A multiplayer yes! open world sandbox game or whatever. And, and and the game is like completely different and it's so far away from its arcade disc throwing motorcycle riding roots that that we're just like, what the fuck happened here? And that's what the movie's about. I think I think there's an idea there. I also just think Tron is so visually cool, uh, that I'd be interested in a sequel. 
I I fuck with this. I really I really fuck with this. Um, may any chance uh, any chance uh, um, that No Way Home will spark a demand for Sam Raimi Spider Man Four? Don't even tease me. I. <laughs> I mean, the, well, the bring interest it back. is the interest like, it's is so there. popular That's that it's the like problem. you're gonna continue his universe. I think I think the big question is Toby. Is Toby in? I don't know. Well, we'll have to find out if Toby's in in No Way Home. Um, God, I would love Spider Man Four. That would be awesome. I was thinking about this. This is this is slightly slightly different from the movies we've been pitching. But I have been rewatching Spectacular Spider-Man just on and off the phenomenal uh, 2007 uh, to 2009. Um, no, I'm sorry, 2008, 2010, I think, run show. Uh, and season three was planned out, um, but was canceled once Disney bought mm. Marvel. And they're just like, okay, we just, we're going to cancel everything, not because just so we want to stop everything and then think about what we want to do and then go from there. Um, so that's why Spectacular Spider-Man got shut down. It wasn't due to, like, lack of demand or people weren't watching it or anything like Young Justice was. Yet, where I've seen no, no online brouhaha about trying to bring this shit back, yet if you ask people, they're like, yeah, that shit's the best Spider-Man show. So, I want to see a fucking revival of that. Give me season three of Spectacular Spider-Man. Surely someone a part of the original team is interested in doing it, right? For sure. Surely. Put it on Disney um, Plus. Make it an event. That would be fun, right? Like, I just feel like that's something... I don't know if Disney's interested in doing that, though. Because since DC's in a losing position, they kind of have to play play the, uh, oh, we're just going to have a bunch of different universes and take whatever you're interested in. Where the MCU is so successful that I feel like not tying a product into it is just going to hurt hurt it um so i don't know if they're interested in doing that but i'd like that i'd like to see that but caitlin any final answers before we before we close this episode up yeah i'm interested in the spider-man one let's bring toby back i miss him bring toby back yes what what, is there a villain you would like to see in spider-man 4 either of you oh fuck so i believe the i believe the original plan was lizard it was going to be dr connor's lizard i think you're right it was either that or vulture or maybe both but yeah. it might have been both um which of I, course has been done by by now yeah both have been done plus mysterio has also been done uh carnage was just done so we're, we're knocking out all my favorite i know my favorite there's not many villains. left <laughs> uh how about how about um uh, let's pick hobgoblin let's pick a, a c tier well we could do here's the deal with hobgoblin in if we hobgoblin is is ned in the comics so if we mm, save it i didn't know that if we say i didn't know that until a couple days ago either it blew my fucking mind uh i'm like oh so that's who this like ned character is i had no idea who who he fucking was um which means he could be hobgoblin in spider-man home is where the heart is uh or <laughs> the fourth one's gonna be called um It'd be interesting if they they wouldn't do this because they're like, but it'd be interesting if they set up like um, an antihero, like if it was like the Punisher or, or like a new take on Moon Knight or something. Oh, that would be that would be cool. Oh, of course. Well, there's, also, this, there's also the, the Kingpin. Oh, people really want him to come back from Daredevil. 
James. Um, um, oh, what's his name? Yeah, Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, yeah. People, people fucking love his performance in, in Daredevil. And in, in, uh, is he also in Punisher as well? Or yeah, uh, I don't know. I know he's definitely in Daredevil seasons one and three, and he's great. So I don't blame people for wanting him back. Oh, can, oh, I know. I will. I I know. I want Rhino to be the villain. Oh, let's get Rhino. Come on. Because Rhino gets no fucking respect nowadays. He's just seen as the big fucking brute he is. But he's just cool. He's a big ass fucking Rhino. <laughs> and I don't know how I feel about the battle armor. For I'm, I'm of two minds on the battle armor. On one hand, it's fucking cool looking. But on the other hand, it's like, nah, this man, this man's supposed to be molded to his Rhino suit. To his huge, thick-ass rhino suit. Um, alternatively, Craven is fun. Oh, yeah, we haven't done Craven yet. That would be good. Craven's really fun. Black Cat is, like, an, a super, like, easy one to do as, like, a side character. Um, fucking molten man no fucking no uh, <laughs> now, now we're getting too deep <laughs> we could do uh we could do um like tombstone if we wanted to do like a gang driven mm-hmm. uh, like tombstone hammerhead um if they didn't want to redo kingpin again um again it would be cool just to see a grounded spider-man movie which we have not gotten in a, in a hot second yeah i just unfortunately i just unfortunately think that um like a lot i just unfortunately think that that like spider-man is just so attached to the mcu that he'll never be able to fight gangs yeah it's gonna never be be able to stop a convenience store robbery again (laughs) it's gonna have to be an event level threat yep (laughs) <laughs> well this has been an event level threat episode without jacob but uh we missed him uh he'll be back next week for again reviews of venom let there be carnage uh a, a spider-man tangential movie and uh the many saints of newark but for now let's wrap this episode up second to last segment the draft updates we have three ones this week super monkey ball banana mania as talked about by kingma earlier this episode is sitting at a 79 on open critic so that's nine i'm actually for I'm fucking shocked, actually. I was like, no, I'm going to get like two or three points for this. Um, and that's damn. negative nine points for Caitlin because she counterpicked say, it. I was going to say, is that the one I counterpicked? God damn it. I was trying to be brave. Uh, and then more hurt for Caitlin's team. The problem with Jon Stewart sitting at a 57. Uh, <laughs> so that's negative 13 points. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> all right <laughs> it's i'm worried it's gonna be you and jacob duking it out for who who gets last with the chip i think so yeah i better start training <laughs> and then last thing uh illuminati hotties uh let me do one more came out this weekend uh it's sitting at a 90 so that's 20 points for me damn it's good i was honestly a little disappointed by it uh <laughs> but I'm glad the critics love it. I think it's good. Um, 20 it was, fucking points. Holy shit. Oh it God. wasn't the album of the year that I hoped it would be. Uh, last thing. Uh, Jacob's untitled Paul Thomas Anderson movie is now titled. It's called Licorice Pizza. Uh, and we have a trailer for it. And it looks good. Stars one of the Heim sisters. Would you rather licorice pizza or pineapple pizza? Pineapple. I, I love pineapple pizza. I know yeah, that's like same. blasphemous, but... I don't you, get. The, Are you I a mean, licorice pizza deal. boy? 
Uh, no, I don't. I, I thought it was a like a like a like a gag. I didn't. Know it, it, it is. Like, I I, I didn't know if it was a real thing. Um, <laughs> I um no. Nah, I I don't really get the hate behind behind pineapple pizza. Oh, okay. I mean, I as someone who hates all toppings equally, um, I don't understand the specific hate behind this one when you know fucking anchovies exist. Yeah, though that's the real thing that we should all rally behind. Public Mushrooms. enemy number public pizza enemy number one. <laughs> yeah, let's get ga- let's get angry on the internet about <laughs> how people don't like pineapple pizza. <laughs> we'll start some fights. That's a good thing to fight about on the internet. <laughs> uh our last segment of Critically Panned is the segment Trigger Happy where we talk about what's making us happy or angry at the moment. Caitlin Brenner, where are you at this week? Oh wow. Um yeah, I'm kinda triggered because I am cursed to not have like a, a dependable car sometimes. Um, and I have a new one in my life and it's been good, but apparently it had no oil for an undetermined amount of time. So I'm hoping that my engine is fine and that my car will be good for the near future or if not longer future, preferably. Um, but yeah, I, I would love to have a car where I'm like, yep, zero problems, no problems at all. Love this. So yeah, that's that's it. Car troubles suck. I'm sorry. It's okay. I I, I must deal with it. <laughs> uh, Kingma, where are you at? I'm in a good mood. I'm happy this week. Um, obviously, tons of great games have been out. I've been playing that. Also, next week, uh, I'll be in Columbia hanging out with y'all. Let's go. I'm really looking forward to it. Really looking forward to it. Um, It'll be fun. Yeah, good time. I, too, am happy this week. Uh, three quick things. I guess, I mean, a homecoming is exciting. Uh, one, two, I'm home this weekend for my brother's birthday, so being home with the family is always fun. Uh, three, I'm just going to keep, like, fourth, fifth row, week in a row where I've recommended music. Uh, Luna Lee is a really great harpist and guitarist. Um, who like mixes psychedelic elect- uh, electric guitars, uh, which is like, excellent harp playing. And she makes beautiful pop music. She released an EP this weekend. Uh, wa- watch out for Luna Lee. I think her debut album, I'm waiting for it, is going to be fucking huge. Uh, yeah, just like there was a moment where these electric guitars kicked in on the second track, and I had the stupidest grin on my face because it's like. It felt like I was high, but I wasn't. I was. Uh, it was three in the afternoon on a work day. Uh, high on music. <laughs> Would you say just vibes? Yeah, just you high, high on music. sound. <laughs> so yeah, uh, all great things. And then the last thing you making me happy, transitioning to you know where you can find us. Uh, I recorded or we recorded my brother and I the It Takes Two uh, book club episode of the Super Mojo Brothers show. You can find it yesterday on our podcast services uh, wherever you find your podcasts. It's a good one. We had Brian Woods of the Content Cube on uh, with his girlfriend, Madison, and uh, it's a good time. Kingma, where can the people find you? People can find me on Spotify and iTunes at Hatsune Miku's Crackhouse. That's my podcast. This week, my co-host Miles and I c- created the definitive <laughs> color blue tier list. So if you want to find out what what <laughs> what pieces of media... And what things have the best blue? I thought you were ranking different shades of blue. (laughs) Kind of, yeah, that's what we did. Sky blue. Yeah. Royal blue. blue. Instead of doing (laughs) cobalt blue, sky blue, we would say Jackie Brown's Mm. suit 
Mm. is one of the best blues. Okay, I like Sonic this. skin, Sonic's fur tone in Sonic, <laughs> Sonic Adventure skin 2 color. Battle. <laughs> Sonic's, Sonic's, Sonic's fur flesh. color. Yeah, well, oops. <laughs> yeah, Sonic's flesh looks fine. Well, Sonic's flesh and boom is blue. But Sonic's fur in Sonic Adventure 2 Battle, that color blue is phenomenal. <laughs> Among many other blues. we <laughs> That's a hell of a pitch. Uh, Caitlin, where can the people find you? You can find me in the theaters somewhere seeing Venom 2 and supporting Woody Harrelson. I love it. And you can find us at PanPod on social media. Again, look for Venom 2 and Many Sins of Newark reviews next week. But until then, thank you all so much for listening. And I'm going to let one of you two say whatever the last word is. (laughs) Uh, Peace be with you. (laughs) I'm falling on my knees because I can't explain my feelings. So I must say that I love you And I must pray that you're someone who would like to share A coffee, maybe a stare Pull this on me, cause I'm falling hard I know I'm so poor Pull me up on, maybe the number to your phone And I'll show you Don't like love.